Well, let me tell you something, brother. This is Hulk Hogan coming at you with our wrestling podcast, dude. I don't know where Stone Cold Steve Austin has been, brother, but Hollywood Hogan is going to show you that he can pick up the ball when Austin drops it, dude. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one, brother. I mean, fall, dude. And today's topic, does it hold up? Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus The Rock from WrestleMania 18. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hi, David. I'm Jess. And Craig. Hello, David. I'm Craig. Bringing you our perspectives on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today. Does it hold up? Rock versus Hogan. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019 and click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, and more to come. Guys, what's going on? David, and this is the match from WrestleMania Goddamn 18 uh, that Cody Rhodes has actually gone on record as saying his favorite professional wrestling match to date. Really? Yes, Hulk versus The Rock, because... He's such a fan of the psychology and being a character, and he just thought this was the greatest example of two like pros in there playing the crowd, getting the crowd, you know, like adapting to what we're going to talk about the way the crowd was, and just uh, delivering a match that a lot of people thought wouldn't live up to the hype because oh, of Hogan's age, Hogan, and uh, you know Hogan that Rock. maybe him and Rock if would clash because of their styles. The greatest match of all time is not Hogan Rock. They don't know what wrestling is then. I understand the technical side of wrestling. I appreciate the the work rate and the uh, grappling element of it. But what wrestling is, is getting the people to buy tickets and stand up. And that is the most engaged an audience, I think. Craig, how do you feel? I think it's a, it's a great match to talk about. I remember it fondly. It's... Um, uh, it wasn't the main event, and I don't think you could ever kind of realize, but it's the only one that you really remember from that mania, unless you're a diehard, but it's one of those kind of mainstream, iconic matches that you put alongside those moments that whenever you ask someone, oh, hey, you, you want to see my favorite wrestling match, or to, to show them a tape of, of something you want to get them into wrestling, you'll show them this, you'll show them fully an Undertaker. It's just one of those um, from an emotional nostalgia standpoint, for sure. And I think that's uh, why it fits this uh, category pretty well, too, because it, it is easy to think back on stuff that we sat through when we were younger. I mean, we weren't too young when 18 came out. It was 2002. But, um, you know, at the end, we're going to talk about we all rewatched this right before the episode. And uh, we're going to talk about if it holds up or not. I mean, it's always easy to think fondly about something that we remember. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Oh, so that was great. But you go back and watch it. and You're like, OK, like, I understand why I liked it as the young me, but I watch it now. And I don't know. It's kind of not what I remember it as, if that makes any sense. No, that's why we're putting it through the well, ringer, Dave. The goddamn does well, hold up ringer. We'll definitely put it through the ringer. But in order to do that, we got to take you way back in time. We're talking about February 2002. When the original three members of the NWO, Hogan, Hall, and Nash, debuted for the WWF at No Way Out in a pay-per-view. There was the first time since 96 that Hall and Nash 
had even been on WWF television. And it was the first time since 93 since Hogan had even been set foot into the WWF. This was huge. Um, and we all know this is the wars are long gone. We're waiting for the uh, big, luxurious Ted Turner slash AOL contracts to run out. And when they finally do, um, it might be a little overdue because of the time and the money. But we finally get to see the NWO, quote unquote, invade WWF. Yeah, and that was the atmosphere. I think a lot of people were let down in 01 uh, with the invasion angle. It didn't really pay off like they had hoped even though the initial invasion pay-per-view was like one of the highest buy rated uh, pay-per-views of the whole attitude era. But um, the whole storyline after that kind of fizzed out because you did when WCW got bought, even though people forget, right? Like a year and a half before or about a year before WCW actually went out, the big names like Hulk said, I'm out of your brother. And like, you know, Flair didn't really wrestle. He was more commissioner than anything. Macho Man was showing major signs of just being over the hill and, and being injured, you know, because of his hip. So a lot of the big names that we kind of remember from the Monday Night War era of WCW, like weren't a thing anymore. The Radicals had already debuted in WWF. They were gone from WCW. And by that, I mean, Benoit, Guerrero, Saturn, and Malenko. So like a long time, and I say a year is a long time because this war seemed like it lasted for 90 years. But like the last year of the war really wasn't much of a war. And the, the names that we remembered that we wanted to see match up against Stone Cold and The Rock and, and DX and all that weren't they weren't in power in WCW for, like I said, like a year to year and a half before that. So now you're all the way in 2002 where they finally buy WCW out. The invasion angle doesn't go that well because they were only able to bring in people like Booker T or unselfish people like Diamond Dallas Page. And maybe that's rude for me to say, because if you had a contract and you're Hogan's age or Flair's age or whatever, wouldn't you write it out? You know, um, hell yeah. Would. Goldberg did the same mm -hmm. thing. He didn't even Goldberg wouldn't come into WWF until a year after what we're talking about here. So like a lot of the big names were just like, no, I'm writing my contract out. So not only were they not relevant in WCW about a year before it went out of business, but now they're even less relevant. But the shock of the NWO and Hogan Hall and Nash coming in in 02, we're thinking, OK, we suffered through a really awkward invasion angle. Maybe now it's going to kick up. We got three of the biggest names that started the whole WCW beating WWF for 83 straight weeks. Hmm. And it was more of like, who are they going to, who's going to match up with who? Now you're like freaking out. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Are we going to see Hall against The Rock? Are we going to see Hulk against Austin? Which was kind of the favorite, like going into it in all honesty, which I think we'll talk about more. Like, I think that that was... For the people's taste. <laughs> What'd you just say? Oh, no, 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 no. Doesn't matter what you just said. See, you shouldn't have said that. Rock was being a man, no problem. Picture for your son, no problem. Rock will tell you what you could do with that camera. You, Chico, Razor Ramon. You take that camera and shut it up your ass. And then what you do, you give it to your big buddy. Big Daddy Cool, Diesel. <laughs> You turn it sideways, and then you give it to him. Give it to Hogan. Hogan, you take that camera. It's already shined up. Turn sideways. Eat your vitamins. Say your prayers, and stick it straight up. Oh, your candy. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, the reception for Hogan was so big that Vince already knew he wanted Hogan and Rock at WrestleMania 18, right? So uh, they knew that, but that obviously caused a lot of tension uh, backstage, especially with um, I don't know, just a little name called Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think Stone Cold always thought that. Well, that's my match, right? 
But uh, we've always talked about, you know, oil and water. We have some matches like that. We, you can check those out in our archives. I think Vince understands when something's not going to work. Um, there's a reason why Vince never did Hogan versus Flair uh, in his federation. It never happened because when you start to see, you're like, ooh, this is not going to work. And I'm thinking you look at Austin and Hogan, you can realize that and maybe in hindsight, maybe that doesn't work. But Hogan and Rock, I mean, I know, I know we can look at it in hindsight after the fact, but um, yeah, that shit's going to work because um, the Rock can sell to anybody. It doesn't matter. And the Rock will make it work. So especially when you saw Hogan getting over as much as he was, as soon as he got on television, that was just, to, at least in Vince's mind, we all believe that was that was a done deal, right? Yes. I And and again, every wrestling fan was like, it's got to be Hulk and Austin, right? Because Austin's sort of the second coming of Hulk, which ushered on the second boom period, you know, of the WWF. So, of course, it was, in everyone's mind, I really believe it was a natural comparison until, you know, you're the guy who was kind of the owner of the whole thing behind the scenes. And he sort of had a different vision. I'm not, I'm not saying that Austin wasn't in the conversation because I'm sure he was. If I remember Bruce Pritchard kind of talking about that time period that of course they threw around several names for Hogan and how Hogan was going to fit in uh, when they brought him back. But the big one was the rock. They're the same. Like they're both super charismatic. They're both character driven. They're both like, I don't want to say limited because, the, but the rock was never known as some guy that would go in there and just throw a bunch of flippity dippities or a bunch of high impact moves. The rock was very flashy. The people's elbow is so silly, but yet it's, it's the leg drop in a sense. It's I was saying, so is the leg drop. Yeah, the rock bottom thinking, yeah. is just facing someone and kind of picking them up and slamming them down forward is like a, a bot, a variation of the boss man slam. Like, so it's just sort of like he was and Hulk was never flashy either, but their characters we're like so through the roof, like it, it charismatic. It, to like the you, end, I yeah. think you worded it perfect in hindsight. Of course, of course, it was Hulk and the Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we wouldn't know that then, but now we see it. You're like, oh yeah, that that makes total sense. And just the angling and the marketing of it, like the icon versus icon, and it's kind of the the next generation beats the earlier generation. It was just kind of it was just a perfect kind of marketing and promotion of it. How it turned out. Well, when you think about it too, in the promotion of it, you think about what, think about what Hogan did, and then you think about The Rock going, "I want what the Hulk, what what Hulk Hogan did," in the realm of getting outside of wrestling, getting into acting, getting into other stuff. It's interesting because I think The Rock always wanted what Hogan got, and in hindsight, Hogan always wanted where The Rock actually got to. Does that make sense? Like, Hulk, yeah, Rock he always paved tried the way to for Hogan. Out. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Hogan broke out, and then The Rock, you know, f- you know, got that little bit of paved, you know, way from Hogan, and then he and then he broke out the whole the whole trail. He broke a whole new trail that Hogan wanted to get on but couldn't, just couldn't get on. I remember when it's, the it's Rock, interesting. when The Rock did the Mummy too, and he just had that little small part in it, you know. Like people yeah. reacted so huge to that because the rock was young, good looking guy. Like all the girls liked him, like, and all the guy, he was such a big guy in there and his wrestling persona was already over. So guys liked him, you know, like he was just such a, it was hard not to like the rock. He was good at heel. He was good at face. And then he gets into Hollywood and this bit part, people are like, Oh, did you see the rock and mummy too? I'm like, he had a total of like 
five minutes of screen time, six minutes of screen time, but it, he was a scorpion. Yeah. Bro. I mean, and then he did this spinoff movie, the scorpion King a couple years later and it, it did well as well. And I mean, now here we are now where the rock is pulling down millions. I think, and millions. I think technically the rundown went before scorpion. Oh, you're scorpion probably right. King. You're probably right. I think, didn't he, I think, did he film scorpion King around here? Was it after mania or before? Yeah, It might've it might released later. Was, yeah. yeah. And I know he left, he left right before, he left, yeah, he left right after Mania, I want to say, because then he left for a while, came back, won the title, lost to Brock at SummerSlam 02, and then left again and didn't come back again uh-huh. until, oh, like, and then he came back as a heel, fought Hogan in 03, left again because he put Goldberg over right before he left. So I think it was all rapid fire. I think he did like the, the Scorpion King, then he did the rundown, then he did, I'm not sure what order it, but yeah, at this point he was like, he was trying to weave in and out. And I think Vince always hated that, you know? So the start of this feud was on raw on February 18th of 2002. The rock actually interrupts Hogan's promo. And this was that famous face off of the crowd switch chance. You go, you know, you hear rock and Hogan going back and forth after Hogan accepted the rocks challenge for WrestleMania. The NWO obviously came down to attack the rock. We all know where that started, but we also know where all that finished. We know the NWO was strictly brought in to be destroyed, um, but that's okay. You know, it's it, we all know who won, and you get to write your own history when you win. That's how it works. But um, the greatest thing about the NWO coming in is this particular feud. I'm pretty sure everything else, if you want to compare it, um, <clears throat> we know to – I don't want to say the victor goes to spoils because – the guy who was technically on top at this time, Stone Cold, gets basically stuck with Hall, and that's just not a comparison. You know, I mean, he destroyed him on for weeks on end and made him look like shit. And then we all know that Mr. Diesel, oh, I don't, I don't feel good. I'm gonna go home. I, I'm hurt, and we didn't get much out of that. But in, in spite of all that, we still get the Hogan Rock feud, which makes all of it completely worth. I it. I think most noteworthy too, besides the actual match itself, it was like. That moment on Raw is still probably one of the, I would say, the top five Raw moments of all time. Like, just that standoff. And you, I, I felt like, as a fan, the tension was releasing how long Hulk had been away and then what would happen if he ever came back. And then when I saw him standing next to The Rock, I was like, Hulk, you know, he, he's older, but he doesn't look damn half bad. And, like, everybody remembers him. And then, they, of course, they started with this massively loud Rocky chant. So I was like, oh, of course, you know, that Hogan's going to be the heel, whatever. But then, then but then he got quieted down, and then you hear Hogan, and it got pretty loud, the Hogan chant. And I was like, wow, like, okay, like, he's back now, and now it's like he's important again. People are accepting him. Like, because for a long time before that, it well, I don't know if Hulk would have been welcomed back behind the locker room or in front of the camera. It was just weird. And then now, like, you're like, oh, wow, like, I felt like all that time go away. It's like that gap between 93 and 02 instantly closed for me as a fan. And I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. Like, this is nuts.
You can argue that Hogan and Rock in particular, not, not just this feud, but in general, the leaving and coming back when it's right, uh, you can argue that that should be a formula for wrestling right now with all the talent they currently have. What's wrong with the wrestler getting paid to go on hiatus for 90 days and coming back and getting all this fanfare and attention? Because Hogan being gone for so long was a big part of, to your point, Jess, of why people just clamored and, and rooted for a guy who technically should have been uh, too old. Right. But and by the way, Hogan did a great job because Hogan looked fantastic. Hogan what might have been in the best shape of his actual career or life for that matter. He was he was trim. He wasn't he wasn't carrying a lot of bloat weight. Uh, Hogan looked phenomenal and he, he looked like he could square up with the rock. And that's a lot. That's a big testament to him being off and probably hitting the gym and eating right and doing all those right things. But. You know, leaving and coming back has such an effect. I mean, Triple H is another example. Getting hurt, we never wish it on anyone, but Triple H getting hurt and rehabbing and coming back from quad tears. When he came back, those pops were unbelievable because we hadn't seen him. It's it's when you don't, it's like you miss you don't miss it till it's gone. And Hogan was gone for so long. This is a big part of that success and seeing him come back and having the crowd just clamor for him. It's like, well, we got to put him up against the rock. It's pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. I mean, and I think on this buildup too, I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, whether it was that the raw, the first, the first face off, but that look to the crowd when the cameras caught kind of the face on either side of the ring. And then they replicated that in, in the WrestleMania match, that reaction. Yeah. Like there was just yeah. something so special about Hogan and rock facing off. And it was just brilliant. The, the, it was like each side had a camera pointed up to when like the head kind of turned to the crowd's reaction of uh, the other one being cheered, cheering, yeah. like what's going on. And that was it's, like, it was amazing. You know, it was a planned moment. That's another one too, where we talk about organic moments, which I think the chant was organic, but they had to have planned the head turning because like that was the cameras. Yeah. Which is crazy because like, maybe they did, you never know. Maybe they were just like, they're both, they're going to chant for you both. You know that, right? Like, and it could very well be like, if it doesn't happen, don't worry about it. But if it does happen, you can, you can like, argue yeah. they had the close-ups ready and they did what they yeah, did. Yeah. If it does I happen, I, we want been. you to kind of stare, you know, like when Hogan, when you hear the crowd chant for you, look to your right, rock, look to your right. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool the way we can just look at it and be like, yeah, like there are organic moments, but there are also moments where they're just like, kind of, okay, we'll talk about the crowd reaction in mania, which threw a lot of people off, but this one they nailed. It was in Chicago. The crowd's hot and ready to go. And they, the crowd did exactly what they were supposed to do. They were like unwilling participants at that point. Like they did exactly what, and it made, I, like I said, probably the best top five raw moment ever in the show's history of just that stare off. And, and that pause between, do you want to face me? Like, and I don't, I, I don't think that a lot of people could carry that and pull that off the way they did. Um, you know, I think a lot of people might have shortchanged it and said, okay, it's time to wrestle. We only got so many minutes, but I think especially Hogan, he's gonna be like, look, you don't get moments like this often. I've seen this before. And a lot of people want to, you know, want to talk about how Hogan tried to control the match or change it, whatever. It's all hindsight. We'll get into that in a little bit and talk about those rumors and possibly dispel them. But, you know, Hogan knows when something is going the right way and he knows how to just make one head turn and one reaction, one turn to the chin, you know, to, to just fill, you know, fill the long mustache to get people to, to rise. He can carry that. And that the start of that match, I mean, it went for minutes before they even laid a hand on each other period. And it was already the best match on the card and they hadn't even touched each other yet because of that. Agree. Disagree. 
No, I think like the crowd. Uh, was yeah, just I mean, going crazy. I didn't realize it was Chicago for the it was the Raw, and but but there's I don't know what it is about Chicago that makes it, if not the greatest city to for a wrestling crowd and wrestling fans and in moments like that. And Toronto is not bad itself, and during the mania, yeah. so. It's, it's, I guess, for, for I don't know what venues, you guys are right? thinking. Yeah. Chicago and Philly, maybe? Like, where else kind of has those moments where you can plan things like, and yeah, have Boston, everything go Boston's right? Boston's another big one where they always get a huge reaction. In New York, to a certain extent, depending, you know, like, on the, the mood of the crowd. But, yeah, like, those hotbeds are just like, man, you know you're in for, like, a loud crowd. You are you know you're in for... you know, and, and if you're right, if if you're listening, they, they're they a good parameter of, like, what is cool and what's not. Like, you know, it's easy to go to some markets that are a little bit more family oriented and then be like, well, that's working. But when really when you go like to Chicago and stuff, your hardcore audience is kind of talking a little louder. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. You want to see a 25 to 45 pulse. It's got to be the East Coast. Yeah. And you want to take it with a grain of salt because you don't want to go nuts with the hardcores and give them everything. But at the same time, like you should use that to be like, we need to know where our cool factor is, too. And like, yeah, when you see a moment like this that you probably just vaguely talked about on the back. And if they do cheer you both, we'll have those little shit thing we're going to do with your heads but like it's like and then it happens <laughs> it's just fucking happens and like you know it's just kind of crazy you know we get back to the rock and where he's at the rocket challenged jericho for the wwf undisputed championship at the royal rumble in january but he was unsuccessful he defeated the undertaker at no way out but that removes him from the title pitcher and that frees him up for that hogan showdown that we see right um that's kind of the timeline uh, hogan doesn't have to do anything but come in and just be hogan and make some appearances and, you know, smoking cigars and kissing babies, all that good stuff. And The Rock is doing, you know, that legit work of removing himself from the title picture so we can move forward. So we um, and getting to the actual card real quick, too, was April, yeah, April 17th, sure. 2002, WrestleMania 18. The The card was as follows. The opening bout was Rob Van Dam defeating William Regal to win the Intercontinental Championship. Um, Diamond Dallas Page defended the European Championship against Christian and actually kind of an underrated match. It actually was decent. DDP will tell you all about it. Um, Maven <laughs> Maven uh, defended the Hardcore Championship against Goldust uh, when Spike Dudley pinned Maven. I don't even know like what how this happened. Uh, I, I remember this match vaguely. Honestly, I didn't do my research on this match, but uh, to me, after a while, the whole hardcore thing got to be a cluster, much like it is today, even though it's called the 24-7 title. Uh, next match is Kurt Angle defeating Kane in probably the best match of Kane's career. Um, the Undertaker defeated Ric Flair in a no disqualification match in a very good match. Very, very good match. A lot of people talk about this as a one-match show, Hulk and Rock, but actually uh, Undertaker and Ric Flair was a very, very good match. Um, Edge defeated Booker T in a singles match. This was... An important match in the sense they had a stupid feud leading up to it. It was over a shampoo commercial, if I remember right. But um, this was just two young guys going out there. Booker T really trying to cut his teeth and fit into the WWF after the whole invasion angle kind of went away. And they were trying to really define Booker T and Edge. They really were always interested in Edge. And here they were really trying to push Edge as a single star. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Scott Hall with Kevin Nash in his corner uh, in a push Stone Cold Steve Austin's temper over the limit in the back uh, match. Uh, which pretty much this kind of started Stone Cold being really sour on creative WWF creative because he felt they were stale and he he was part of him was really he was injured he was you know really strung out here because it's been you know he had a nagging neck injury for a long time and then on top of that he didn't get the Hogan match and I think Austin just had had it Austin had a lot of problems behind the stage in 2002 um 
Billy and Chuck were the tag team champions. They defeated the APA, the Dudley Boys, and the Hardy Boys in a Four Corners Elimination Tag Team match. Uh, and then The Rock defeated Hollywood Hogan in the match that we will discuss and decide, does it still hold up? Then Jazz had the thankless task of defending her women's championship against Lita and Trish in a three-way after that. Uh, whoever had to be in that poor match after The Rock and Hulk, I'm sorry. Uh, that they had to be in that, but it was the bathroom and beer match for sure. No disrespect. Can we say Jazz is completely underrated, by the way? I She was a really good worker, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Sorry. And then, uh, I mean, and God, then, God, bless, God bless the Divas for taking that cool-off match yeah, what almost a, I mean, every mania. That like, was a death. That's a death How slot. many years? Yeah. yeah. So one time I'm they like... Put, they put in work, man. Couldn't you guys have brought an intermission <laughs> back real quick? <laughs> like after the Hogan and Rock, like everybody needed an emotional break after that match. Um, and then in the main event, Triple H defeated Chris Jericho to win the undisputed WWF championship. Uh, like Dave said, it was just a couple of months after he re-debuted and won the Royal Rumble that year to face Jericho for the title at Mania, winning the title and getting a hero's send off. So that was the card of WrestleMania 18. And uh, we started talking about the match a little bit. But yeah, overall, Dave, I think, hit it right on the head. Like the match, less is more. And there's two different style of wrestling fans out there. As we were growing up, it was, did you like Flair? Did you like Hulk? For obvious reasons, Hulk was the was the gaga and the glitz and glamour. And Flair was the, we're wrestling for 45 minutes, by the way. And that's kind of the two different fans. You had people that loved that. And then you also had people that started watching wrestling because they loved this superhero that could come out of the television. The fanfare. And, yeah, yeah, grab you in and everything. And that's definitely what this match was. It was a lot of, a lot of gaga, a lot of, a lot of stalling, but it meant everything. <clears throat> like Craig was talking about the head movement from Raw. They kind of re, redid it here in the stare off at the beginning of the match. And they had a lot of moments where it was like just the charisma of both these guys were just totally mixing with this crowd, which Craig, if you want to talk about, wasn't exactly what they thought it would be. No, there's a lot of stories kind of out there depending on who and what you believe of. Did they change it on the fly because they they didn't know that Rock would, would get booed and Hogan would get cheered? And there's an article out there where Hogan kind of goes on to explain that um, Rock, they, they wanted to kind of rehearse the match uh, He's lying. move by move. And Hogan was like, no, if I, if I, if I take a bump here and get hurt, there's, there's no me. I guess he had a little nagging knee injury or something at the time. Oh, uh, and Hogan kind of, as he sometimes want to do, God bless him, love him, he's earned it, uh, takes a little credit for oh. apparently whispering to Rock in match and saying, you want to fix this? Brother, so then Rock says, yes, let's fix it. And <laughs> listen, and then they get together and then, gauge the crowd reactions. So, and then I think Pritchard and them said uh, they kind of did know where they were, that, that it would be 50, 50 and, but adjusted just to the crowd reactions on the fly. I think I tend to believe that these guys knew the possibility that it was, it was, there would be booze for the rock. It would be 50, 50. I think if anything, Hogan talked the young buck to slow down. And when they kind of slowed down and paced it and just appreciated and really took their time with it, I think that's probably what Hogan brought to that thing. Um, but as far as like changing the whole thing on the fly during that thing in front of that many people on that day, doubtful. I think it was just a moment in time that they both kind of learned to read and, Turned into emotionally. We never knew who was going to win that match, brother, going into it. 
I leaned in the rock's ear when we were facing off and I said, you're going over brother. Like I'm surprised he didn't like do the whole reverse Andre thing. Like, like Hogan tries to play game fade 30 years <laughs> later on matches, but uh, you know, I, and there's some people that don't even believe that he's, he's like, I didn't know I was going to win at three brother. Cause everybody was giving him shit. Uh, maybe as a younger Hogan, he's like, I, I really didn't know. I thought, I thought Andre would be like, yeah, you're not going over today. Dave, I'm going to stop you right there, Dave. I'm going to stop you right there because when, uh, I don't know if you know this, but WrestleMania 3, when Hogan picked up Andre for the slam, he tore every muscle in his back. And then, according to Hogan, and then Andre died not long after. Like in the back. In weeks, I believe. In the back, actually. Uh, In the back. So that's that's from the mouth of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and Andre was up to about 900 pounds, 910. So, yeah, (laughs) if you listen to Hulk stories. So that all happened. But there's a lot of people who believe that even though Hogan was prepped to go over, there was a lot of people like, well, Andre can change his mind, you know, but this is not the same thing. It, it wouldn't have been a say. good like, story if Hulk's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess to Hulk's credit, even though we get annoyed with his, his uh, uh, you know, embellishing. It's like that story, Big Fish. He's like, yeah, yeah it's, embellishing. Oh, it's like it, it wouldn't be as interesting <laughs> if Hulk got on a shoot interview and they're like, what happened? He's like, well, we uh, analyzed business Went properly going into that. That quarter was a great quarter uh, financially. Andre was hurting and he looked at me. He's like, brother. Honors are all yours. And I'm like, thank you. And Vince is like, no, thank both of you. And then that was it. And then we went out and did the match, I guess. So I guess Hulk's, not fun. Hulk's version is like, I had no you idea. Know, that's I was a throwing great up in trash cans, wow. brother. Bat. Like, come Andre on. Went, Slam! He yelled at me. And I just, and I pushed him. And when he leaned back into me, I, I got him. And I got him up to here. And I just didn't think I could get him. And I, once I got him up shoulder high, I went, damn it. And I just, as I turned, I ripped my whole back out under my armpit, ripped both of my biceps, but I did slam him. And I mean, if I go this way, there's a huge hole under my armpit. Now both of my biceps are torn if you get a close look at me, but I never had them fixed. That was uh, the old school school mentality. You didn't go get sewn up and take time off, but I didn't think I could get him. And once I got him up here, I wanted to get him in the launch position, but once I went my back tore out, I got him right about here and I turned him. Um, It wasn't the perfect slam, but I did slam him. Hogan gives I, you I wrote, what you I wrote want. It out, like a, this is this is what I thought was going to happen. So I wrote it out on a piece of paper on a on a yellow Manila. I wrote it down. I shit my pants. Uh, Vince, Andre, sure. and I talked about it three months before. We decided which way to go and practice it many times before that night. It went off without a hitch. Thanks very much. All right, take, take care. <laughs> it's like the worst. Thing. Yeah, but Jess is right. Like Hogan gives you what you want as the fable, and can you want you and, want and the fable more than ma- anything? And That's you're what still we mad at him for it. Yeah, like what's wrong with you? I think we're only mad because we know so much. But I I, yeah. I, I almost. Be I, you know, it's funny not Hogan. to get too political. We're talking about a certain president in the United States and about how they're good numbers, but he embellishes them even more when all he has to do is report the facts and it's still impressive. Like, it's impressive what they did at WrestleMania <laughs> 3, but Hulk still has to, like, instead of saying that Andre was probably about 500 pounds, which is, fuck, that's a big motherfucker, 500 pounds, and he was, you know, seven feet tall, seven three, whatever they want to bill him as. Like, that's impressive enough, but instead Hulk's like, as everybody knows, he was about 800 pounds. Like, this stuff, why? <laughs> you know we know he wasn't 800 pounds, god damn you, Hogan. Like, stop lying. And yeah, when I picked him up, I felt all the lats in my back break, brother. No, you didn't. Because after, didn't. if that happened, you would have just fell on him and covered him. Instead, you bounced off the fucking ropes and dropped your leg. Like, so you were fine. You didn't break anything. Like, stop it. And he posed for 15 minutes after the match. If you tore all your lats after the match is over and the adrenaline wears off, I'd be getting to the back pretty quick instead of like, no, brother, I got a pose, brother. Like, give me a break. Like, with all, with all, with all due respect, Jess, you don't, you don't know how it is. In that <laughs> That's ring, true. Brother. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Jess. <laughs> You're right. 
You're absolutely right. Have you ever had a disconnected all your back muscles from your spine? And mu- I, I haven't. Have you? So. Have you had all your muscle fibers tear? Oh God! From the center? No. By a six? No, yes. no, no. Seven hundred pound. Body slammed a French guy? No. Nope. <laughs> oh. Okay. So you know, <laughs> you know, you start. I, I watched a little bit of this match. You know, kind of, kind of briefly, and it's a, uh, it's quite amazing because you. They, they do the whole ref bump where, oh, I would have won. Oh, I would have won. And it still makes it fairly equal where it just kind of gets to the point of like, you don't really know who's supposed to win. But um, what do you guys think of that whole, because I, I don't know this back in the day, this is like ref bump central and they still pulled one here. Um, like dislike, was it, was it warranted? Was honestly it like needed? looking back on this or whatever. And which is kind of the point of this exercise, I guess it's like, it was really just the Hulk and Warrior match from 1990, kind of brushed up to 2002 standards. Like, you know, the the ref bumpy, the I had you, and all that stuff. And I'm not that it's the whole dynamic. They I'm not saying it was not effective because if you look at this crowd here, this crowd was amazing. I mean, you couldn't ask mm-hmm. for a fucking better crowd. The crowd alone made it worth the admission. Like the big build up, icon versus icon. Like Craig said, the way they were pushing this match, it had to go this way, or it probably would have been a disappointment. And this crowd helped yeah. it like like they played a role in Chicago they played a, a bigger role here and they supported the whole match I don't know if you watch this match without the sound on if we just watching the ring work I'd be like god damn Hulk looks old like there's uh uh some times where it was just, they were go ahead Frank. they were clunky they yeah. didn't they didn't super work when they tried to do stuff together it, it didn't work super well but it they didn't need to like they recovered between they the did first it. kind of 10 yeah. minutes. They didn't need to. They recovered like, from it well when they did. I, I would I saw a couple potential flubs and I'm like, oh, and then one of they're both pros <laughs> and they, they cleaned up, you know, really well. But like it's yeah, you know, it's just odd. It was odd movement. You know, Hulk was just trying and I'm not discounting the match because, you know, it takes balls from these two guys to get out there and especially in Hulk's age and not really knowing. Like, yeah, he had a good reaction in Chicago. And yes, when he came out, obviously he knew the fucking Canadian crowd loved him. But like, it's different. You got to carry your your weight. And even though it wasn't the last match, this was the big build match that like and Hulk's coming home and all this stuff. And then the rock is he the most electrifying guy he's been saying for all these years. What if the rock came up at the same time as Hulk would one have snuffed the other one out? They all that great buildup they did leading in this match had to deliver and they did teach everybody a big lesson. I understand why Cody Rhodes said what he said, because I think he means it as like, it's a good lesson in less is more. I mean, it's such an overused phrase, but it's so fucking valid here. It is. It's like, you could still give people their money's worth and have limitations if you do it right. If you, if you, if you, if you look at, if you look at the actual, you know, the sandwich of this match, right. Which what holds everything together. Um, the first part of the match of introductions and just stare downs and the crowd, you know, pissing their pants essentially over them, not even touching each other. And then at the end of the match, you literally have Hogan attempting to walk out and the rocks like, no, get your ass back in here. And you're going to, you're going to Hogan must pose brother. You're back. So Hogan must pose as we always say, um, and as Pritchard would say, and, the crowd goes nuts even for that. And Matt and the rocks like, no, you haven't done this side yet. Go do this too. That is, that is the bread of the sandwich that holds all together. Obviously you have the match in between, which is not terrible. It's not great either, but that whole thing where Cody says less is more like, you know, Meltzer wants to start a match from bell to bell. That's not how it works. 
especially not in WWE, the stuff that they do beforehand before the bell even rings and then after the match is over is what puts this match on another on another echelon of of importance, of greatness. And uh, it's just the fact that, you know, you, you see what these two have built over decades and that's why it's so great. I'm a, um, I'm a huge but, fan of crowds popping. I always have been. I love pops yeah. from a crowd because it, it's it, it's just a result of a lot of different things. Is that character over? Is the angle working? Is the moment you were trying to get over working? And like, yeah. maybe it's because I grew up with him. But I, I absolutely can say that I've been in the arena live for The Rock and Austin both. And, and maybe they did have louder pops than Hulk. And I've been in the arena when Hulk was younger as well. And he was kind of still in his yellow and red run originally. And uh, I, for some reason, there's nothing more special to me than a Hulk pop or ovation. There's something about him that when he would come down, I, I was like, it just, it, it, he was the first wrestler to be a star. It was like a Hollywood star was walking in. And like, it was, it's the electricity I can never explain. So I think I loved it more as when we watched this as young adults, I mean, we were in our twenties or early thirties here, I think. And you're like, you're like, he's still got, I was like, geez, it just made me feel like a kid again. Not just because like I said, like the, I was like, God, like, yeah, he used to get pops like that all the time. And like, it just, you forgot. And the rock too. Maybe if I grew up as a nine or 10 year old during the attitude era, I would fondly be thinking of the rock like that, man, his pops were so loud. And they were, don't get me wrong. We've been, we've, the three of us have been at a house show. And when the rock came out as a heel and he would get, like 80% pop response, like as a heel. And we were like, Jesus, this guy like is over. We were there uh, at the pond when Austin, the month after he won the title for the first time. And that place, it was as loud or louder than Hulk's. But for some odd reason, it wasn't even something they hyped like part of his character in the 80s. It was just like a thing that happened when Hulk came out. That ovation was special and a part of his aura. Like he had to get a big pop. For him to come out and get on the apron and pro- point you and that whole thing and all like he and then we get in and tear his shirt. It was all this whole continuous pop. Yeah. So when he got it at Mania again, I was like, God, like it's it's that's him to me. So that I what do you got, Craig? I, I think that's exactly right, Jed. Like I think we're we're very lucky in that we have seen rock live. We've seen Austin pop. We've seen a Bret Hart pop. We've seen a Hogan pop. We've seen a Warrior pop. We've seen a Triple H. An LOD pop. Reaction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but And I think the most powerful, I think there's a good point Jess said, maybe because maybe I didn't grow up during Rocks or Austin's, the power of nostalgia. The reason why like the music you kind of almost gravitate to you that stirs emotion emotions is, is the music you kind of listen to in, in high school almost and that power. So it's like that first pop of Hogan or that nostalgia, that's exactly what you felt. Um, when you were kind of watching this match. And I would, would be interested to hear like um, people who kind of grew up in that, in that 17, 18 years old when they saw Austin for the first time or maybe seeing him live and feeling that power. I don't think we're ever going to remember a reverberation of the crowd of a first time we've seen Hogan like live. So, and to see, to Jess's point, it's, it's powerful. The, the power of nostalgia, that's what, that's what makes this match kind of hold up. Like the wrestling and, and the moves itself and the actual ma- match is secondary to like them getting it right. And Hogan, if he was brilliant enough to like, to just know, slow it, slow it down. We've got this. Let's, let's, let's squeeze the juice out of this in the cr- crowd as long as we can. And he did, maybe he did follow his lead. I mean, and the end, that's what it was all about. It was powerful, even when, if the wrestling you, was crap. It was powerful. When you when you well when you think about the uh, the start to finish, the walking out to the walking into the walking out is almost thirty minutes, 
Right, but what the match itself is what, 10, 12 minutes? That's 16. There's only so much talent that can take you to a certain place. There's only so much. I know Jess kind of makes it with the flippy flips, you know, all the flippy flips that we do now. And and that's all great. And that does get you get your blood pumping. You know, there's a lot of great people out there. Osprey comes to mind. Um, you know, there's so many people out there that can just I think even Johnny Morrison just did a standing um, moonsault on on uh, Raw last week or I'm sorry, Smackdown last week. And that that's impressive. And don't get me wrong. But there's nothing that you can account for when two guys get into a ring and simply look in opposite directions and you hit pay dirt. They haven't even, the fucking bell hasn't even rung yet, right? So in my mind, if you look at this over and over, and I know you have to turn the sound on. If you turn the sound off, you're going to say, no, it doesn't. Because you're going to look at the wrestling. You're going to look at the, the bumps. They're not exactly perfect. But who can blame them? Honestly, when did they ever really wrestle each other? I mean, that's that's one part of it. It wasn't going to be this good. And even now I'm, I'm watching it with the sound off right as we speak. I'm watching it as it goes. And they weren't that bad. It was actually pretty decent. They're working well together. Um, Hogan doesn't blow up. Um, you know, Hogan's taking it easy on the clotheslines and the lariats because that's Hogan. But he did that even 10 years before that. When you start to look at the match, you start to look at what these guys did and how the crowd responded. And Hogan stepping on his face, still doing heel work, but Hogan is still able to tr- to do an actual turn back when the match is over, become face, and have the crowd lose their shit. I think, I don't think you could ever have a match like this again. It was that over. It just doesn't work. They come in, Hogan's supposed to be the heel. We get that, but they adjust a little bit. We all understand that to where the crowd is equally loving them, and the match itself is 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 just on par. Of what you can expect. And then at the end of it, the crowd goes apeshit because Hogan comes back in and Hogan must pose. Gosh, Hogan just did a boot and almost couldn't get his feet up to Rock's face. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. But when you talk about the nostalgia of it, it'll never change. It'll it'll always hold up to me because of the this the bread and the sandwich, man. It holds it all together. The match shouldn't have to be that great for it to hold up, if that makes any sense. Craig, what uh what do you think, huh? It's fine. No, um, no, it was um, if you watch this match and you don't have a smile on your face and you don't get some goosebumps, at some of the pops like you just you're you're not really a wrestling fan. Um, so, I mean, 20 years later, uh, it's it's still got that nostalgia for me. And I think in that respect, and I did, I don't mean to disparage the wrestling. It's a good match. Um, yeah, yeah. The wrestling terrible, but- of it. And I think I said earlier, kind of. Uh, even if the wrestling's crap, and I, I, they were when I say clunky, they, it was it was still a, a workable match. They uh, they were good, and they they, they it, was, it was fun to watch. Uh, and I, but I think your point of watch it with the sound down, no, not really. Watch it without knowing these guys and not and not knowing Hogan, no, maybe not. But uh, as a kid who grew up with it, with that nostalgia, yeah, it, it holds up. It holds up to me. I'll, I'll even hold a different play to it before Jess gives his opinion, which he might disagree with us, but. Um, you know, what was the current heavyweight fight that everybody was raving about? Oh, Fury and Wilder? Yeah, so Fury and Wilder, man, that people were going nuts over that. And I watched the highlights where you couldn't hear the crowd, and they just looked like two big, fat guys going out in the ring. I, they didn't I really look totally like they share that skills, opinion because right? I was talking to Liz about it. So, like, I yeah, totally share it, that opinion. And, and I'm not saying... I understand what they Fury would kick, did. And they would kick and they would kick my ass. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But when you I'm sure when you took the hype into it and the crowd into it, it was probably amazing, right? This is the same way. 
And when you look at these two guys, these are two heavyweights. These are 280 pound plus guys going out in the ring at this time. I mean, they were massive and they probably put on a better show than what we saw with this, you know, with Fury and Wilder match uh, just last week, which was a real match. It's not kayfabe. So you know, to your point, I think I think that's where Justice I or Craig is going. Like it, it definitely holds up. It, it, it's clunky, but it still works. I mean, for two big guys, they're flowing pretty good in there, right? Go ahead, Jess. I'm sorry. I, 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 you know, and I'm so conflicted because like it's everything that we just said it was for good and bad. And, I, you know, the criteria of watching it with the sound off isn't something that we all agreed on. It's just kind of in my mind how I sort of when I prep for these does a hold up matches and, and what what's fair to judge it by. How am I going to say yes or no? I do the sound off thing because I'm like, OK, like sound off. No, it's not very good at all. And uh, again, like. But these two characters were based off crowd electricity. That's their, that's their it's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, that's their energy. That's that's their characters. That's their charisma. That's what makes Hogan and Rock. Like without crowd participation and their their ability as performers to make people like them and to reach out and have people respond. That you know, this match could have gone horribly wrong. I mean, it being the marquee match for WrestleMania 18, which is their biggest show of the year, Hulk in his 40s. I think closer to late 40s at this point, if I'm not mistaken, like hadn't wrestled in WWF since 93, um, didn't wrestle the last year and a half in WCW. And even when he did, he looked awful, um, you know, and then getting in there against The Rock, who wasn't a mega veteran here. Right. I mean, he'd been in the sport hot for five years at this point, like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, it could have been t- horribly wrong. But having said all that, I don't I think I want to say no only because and because I, I am doing the sound off thing. If I watch it with the sound off or I'm watching it in a room with someone that I'm trying to show them, what do you think? Does this match make you excited? They don't get I mean, it. They might, yeah. they might see like, yeah, the crowd went pretty crazy. Yeah. The crowd was into it, but I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anything that, you know, I'd be like, Whoa, you know, they were doing a lot of fake punching and stuff. And I don't mean that again to disparage the sport. I'm just saying like, that's, I try to, I, I go through so many different emotions when I do the, does it hold up matches because I want to be fair, but I don't want to be like too biased, but yeah, I'll say no only because of what I said about having someone else in the room that doesn't really know the background, but as the fan in me, of course, like, you know, the, the, everything could have went wrong in this match. Even if the crowd wasn't as hot, it could have been a totally different match that would have fell flat. So I give both guys credit. You put it in the bubble. Yes. It served this WrestleMania's purpose and everyone talks about it still to this day, but I'll say no, I, I don't think it does hold up. I'm just gonna, I'm hey, gonna, enjoy those social media comments, Jess. After this, enjoy <laughs> that. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something about it. I think there's, I think there's in that comment, and it's something we haven't really talked about. I think we do a big disparity when it comes to um, not, not including the crowd noise because if if they felt they weren't getting the crowd where they wanted them to go, they might have changed it up. Um, I, so I, I feel like we maybe we're not giving it enough credit when we start to put these rules and guidelines into play to put it without sound, um, you know, because you could you could talk about, you know, Osprey and Ricochet going at it and it would probably be amazing. And you turn that with the sound off and who wouldn't love that? But the question is, was the crowd into it? Was there any kind of buildup for it? And I, I, I think you can take that the other way, too. So it's 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 I'm not saying anybody's wrong. I'm just saying that. um these guys, these guys had the crowd in the palm of their hand before the bell even rung, you know? Yeah. 
I think there's something to that too. Like if you, let's take, take out the background and knowing who these guys are. If you, if you knew very little about wrestling and you put this match in front of them with the sound up, would, would they get it? They might not like they'd hear a loud crowd, but they might not enjoy it where you might show them steamboat savage. I think by the end of that, they'd be on board and buy an, an, an Osprey maybe so. Um, but I think there's something to that where, even take out the, the the nostalgia and knowing who these guys were and what they meant to you at the time. Is it something that you could recruit someone as a fan based off a first time look? Not sure. We'll explore that. <laughs> <laughs> Next on the Johnny Book Show. <laughs> It's it's uh it's definitely something that um, it, Cuz is texting us right now when he should be on the goddamn show. This son of a bitch! I swear to God. So I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just gonna look at it right now because I'm I'm gonna be angry about it. Yeah, don't just end it because like we're just gonna go off in a bad section. On fucking believable. <laughs> so that it's was just, it. That yeah. does it hold up? WrestleMania 18 Hulk against The Rock. Look, it's definitely, it's part of history. Doesn't matter what we say, like yes or no, it's part of history. We chose it because it's one of the marquee matches that that should be asked. You know, it's easy to go. And did the beginning match of SummerSlam 89 still hold up? I don't know. Like, that's a little vague, you know, but like this was a big marquee match. It's still talked about to this day fondly for the right or wrong reasons. I don't know. Why don't you guys go watch it and let us know yeah. if it still holds up. Huh? You're so smart. Yeah, you're so smart we're out here and doing was, it we're out here answering the hard questions yes. you guys just get to watch it why are you guys always so Stupid. angry at the end hit us up on instagram at owp 2019 and you can click on linktree uh catch us on apple spotify soundcloud youtube iHeartRadio, and stitcher with more to follow this is dave jess and craig with the owp signing off have a good one <laughs>